Hey leader, David Burgess here, organizational psychologist and author of four best-selling books on helping leaders and teams do their best work ever. And in this episode, we're gonna talk about how to handle low performers on your team. Handling low performers on your team is one of the worst jobs any leader has to do. I mean, it really is. It's not fun to have conversations with unmotivated employees and try and figure out how we can get them to put in more effort. Or it's not fun to have the brutally honest conversation about a team member who the new demands of the job may not match his or her skill set. And as a result, they're not really all that great of a contributor to the team. And we have to find them either a new assignment, something like that. I mean, it's not fun. I get it. But it's also one of the most important jobs that a leader of a team can have. The reason is that if you want a, tr a truly high-performing team, if you want a, a culture of candor, of psychological safety, but also of accountability, if you want a team where members actually leave each meeting excited and energized about each other, if you want a team where people hold each other to a standard of performance that brings out the best in everyone, then you can't really tolerate low performers. You either have to attempt to motivate them in some situations or, or you have to invite them to be successful on a different team some of the time. There's actually a lot more you can do before that though. And so in this episode, we're going to talk about how to handle low performers on a team, the things you can do to try and avoid having to invite them to join a different team, the things you can do to maybe try and get them more motivated, the things you can do to turn around that low performance. Let's get started. So the first step in dealing with low performers is to study the external factors first. Study the things that are going on around that performer, either on your team, in the whole organization, or in the business or competitive environment that they're in. I'm a big fan of the uh, industrial psychologist W. Edwards Deming, who had this brilliant kind of reminder he called the 85-15 rule. And what the 85-15 rule, as I said, was when you're dealing with low performance, there's an 85% chance that it's the system and only a 15% chance that it's a person. In other words, a bad system will beat a good person every single time. And we know this is the case because we probably felt this on our own. And most likely, when we go into that first conversation with a low-performing employee, they're going to want to blame the external factors. And this is one of the reasons we want to study the external factors first. I mean, for starters, we want to know, is it really the system? Are we dealing with one of those 85% of the time situations? In which case, it's your job to go into a very different conversation. It's your job to go in and say, what things do we need to remove? What things do we need to change? How can I help you perform better by working to change that system that's diminishing your performance? Now, if it is one of the 15% of times where the reasons are internal, whether it's a lack of motivation, a lack of the necessary skills or something like that, you're better prepared for that conversation and less likely to fall for a blame game or a deflection of blame that a low-performing employee is going to have if you've studied the external factors first. That's why it's the first step. Before you even have a conversation with the employee, look around, start to observe the performance, the factors contributing to that performance, and figure out, is this a process and a systems issue? Or is this really a people issue? Now, if it is a people issue, we wanna, we wanna think about this motivational element first, right? Unless it's glaringly obvious that there is a skill set match between what we're asking them to do and what they're capable of doing, odds are one of the reasons for their low performance is just a lack of motivation, either because of a diminish, maybe it's burnout, it's something like that. And one of the easiest ways to turn that around 
is to make sure that you catch them doing something right. That's step two in our process. The second thing you need to do to handle low performers, catch them doing something right. Now there's two reasons for this. One, if it's a simple motivational issue, then catching them doing something right is, is gonna give them that sense of progress, that sense of, oh, I, I can do this, that sense of self-efficacy that might increase their intrinsic motivation. So there's a chance of, of that. The second, and arguably the more important reason, if it's not an easy to fix motivational issue, and if we've gotten this far and we know that we're dealing with the 15% of times it's an internal issue and a couple different attaboys or attagirls and, and moments of praise aren't turning it around, then we're talking about this second time, this situation, you're still going to have a more productive feedback conversation. Your constructive criticism is going to be better received if that person knows from past experience that you do catch them doing something right. If they know that you're not just always on their case, you're not just always blaming them, et cetera, they're going to be more receptive when the time comes to have that difficult conversation. So even before we get into the difficult constructive criticism conversation, ask, when was the last time I caught them doing something right? And if not, maybe I need to do that a couple of times as I'm studying the external factors to prepare for the conversation we're about to have about the need to turn around their performance. Now, step three or the third element of helping turn around and helping to handle a low performer is that conversation, the feedback conversation in which we're talking about their performance and the need to kind of turn it around, offering help and support if we need it or if we found that it's one of the external factors, but specifically offering the feedback they need to improve. And this is my big tip for the third step, is make sure in this conversation, your feedback is specific and optimistic. Specific and optimistic. In other words, don't just say, get better. Talk about what good specifically looks like. And if you can, talk about the actions that will help bring them to good, that will help bring them to better performance. Be very, very specific about the behavior that you're observing and what that behavior actually needs to look like in that situation and be optimistic about their ability to make that change. This is actually one of my favorite studies, kind of a fun self-improvement psychology study done in an academic setting that found that students were much more likely to make the changes that would get a term paper or a higher grade if they were met by a disclaimer at the top of their paper before any of the constructive criticism came in that in effect said, I'm giving you this feedback because I have high standards for you and I believe you can attain them. And I, I love that phrase, I have high standards, we have high standards on this team, but I believe you can attain them. That's what I mean when I say specific and optimistic. And the fourth and final step, the fourth and final element of dealing with a low performer, having a conversation around feedback that really does make it more likely that you're gonna turn around their performance, it's sort of the last thing you wanna do in the conversation, and that is connect effort to purpose. Connect the things we're asking them to do, the behaviors we're asking them to change, right? The increase in effort we're asking them to have to purpose, to some bigger why, to some real reason. A how conversation about how to improve is great, but it's gonna be much better received if it's connected to a why conversation about why the work they do is so important to the team, why the work the team does is so important to the organization, and if you can, why the work of the organization helps benefit society there is an overwhelming and growing amount of research that suggests that people are most motivated when they're making progress towards meaningful goals and when that meaning 
is derived from work that makes a positive contribution towards other people, other customers, other stakeholders, maybe even other teammates. And so the last thing we wanna do as we're giving them that feedback is connect everything that we're talking about, all of the ways we're gonna help them change the system, all of the ways we need them to change their behavior, and all of the optimism we have for their ability to do that. We're gonna connect all of that to the real reason we exist as an organization, the purpose that they signed up for from the beginning. Because if they hadn't forgotten it, and that was some of their low motivating factors in the beginning, this is our last chance, right? To connect it to purpose is to tell them why we're asking them to make all of these changes. And also, if none of these changes stick, why it's so important that maybe we look for something that they can be more successful in. Maybe we invite them to be successful on our team. Maybe we connect them to a different purposeful organization. But ultimately, we need to let them know why this is so important so that we give them that, that mental peg to hang all of the feedback on that'll help them improve. And if we don't, it'll help them understand why we're taking this so seriously. Now, if you do all of these steps, if you study the external factors first, if you catch them doing something right often, you make your feedback specific and optimistic and you connect it with purpose, you are going to greatly enhance your chances of turning around or at least helping that person turn it around for themselves that low performer into a, uh, at least an individual contributor, if not an impact player, a high performer. And if you don't, you've at least sent the message to the rest of the people on the team that this is the standard of performance that, that we hold each other accountable to. And I, as the leader, am here to help you rise to that level. But if you're not, there's a reason why we hold each other accountable. That's the importance of that purpose piece as we discussed in step four. The vast majority of the time, our feedback is gonna help them move from low performer to high performer and help the whole team do their best work ever. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you liked it, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And while you're there, leave a rating and review because it helps share these messages with many, many people. And if you really liked it and you want to go deeper, then check out the amazing resources we have for you at davidberkuscom slash resources. Guaranteed there's something in there that'll help you or your team do your best work ever.